Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Afternoons with Bill Arnold. That would be me. I'm so glad you joined me today. We're going to have a wonderful show. Gary Thomas is going to be coming on the program in just a minute. And then uh, my friend and Bible mentor, Jeff Dorn is going to be uh, on the program as well. That's going to be what the show is today. It's going to be great. I bet most of us um, have, in our lives, have run across somebody who you just can't quite figure out. Maybe they're on the toxic side and they, they just end up draining you of joy and peace, and um, they maybe even feel resentful towards you with maybe the grace you're trying to share with them. And through all that, they never change. And my guest today, Gary Thomas, has written a fascinating book. I've had him on the show before, and and it was just so interesting. I begged him to come back, and he said yes. Um, he's written a book about that, and we're going to talk about that today. Um, he is uh, author of many books, and he wants to help people know when to walk away from a toxic relationship. When is it right? When is it good to walk away? And when is it good to not? So that's going to be the topic of discussion today. I bet you're going to have a question or two or three or possibly possibly even four. So you can text them to me at 877-933-2484. Are you in a toxic relationship that you might have to walk away from and how do you do it? That's the topic today. Gary Thomas is my guest and he's waiting right now in the on-deck circle. Gary, welcome. Thank you for having me back, Bill. No, it's just a, a great um, great that you could come back on. Last time I had you on, the, 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 the text line just lit up and this is a very sensitive topic and it involves nearly everybody. Unfortunately, when somebody writes to me and says, your book was so helpful, the first thing I want to say is I'm so sorry because it means right. I went through the difficulty of, of needing the information in the book. Yeah, and the book is called When to Walk Away, and it uh, gives you all kinds of uh, information um, on how to, uh, how to do that. So, Gary, I'd love to just kind of jump right back in. I know there's uh, people that we've got at uh, full attention right now wanting to know all right, this is, uh, he's talking about me. I've got a toxic person in my life, and I want to either move this towards a healthier relationship where I'm going to feel encouraged and strengthened, and, or I need to maybe walk away. Yeah. The first thing, Bill, I think is they need to understand the differentiation between a difficult person and a toxic person. Let's start there. Every, every toxic person is difficult, but not every difficult person is toxic. And one of the best ways to determine that is, are they just taking pieces out of you? Are they controlling you so you don't feel like you're free to be who God created you to be or do what God has created you to do? Are they destroying parts about you, even things like your peace, your joy, and your self-confidence? Now, selfish people or sensitive people might think, well, it sounds selfish to worry about somebody destroying my peace or my self-confidence or my joy. But the Bible tells us the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so if we're letting people make us weak, 
we're not strong enough for the healthy relationships that we should be engaged in. And if we're letting somebody destroy our self-confidence, so we think we have nothing to share, nothing to say, we don't have the boldness to reach out, they're squelching all the other productive ministry we might do. Um, and, and they sort of become like a black hole in our life. Not only are we not able to impact in a positive way the toxic person or be impacted in a positive way back, we're also undercutting our own ability to reach out and be used to help others. Mm-hmm. Gary, I'd love to start with maybe an example from Jesus himself. Well, I, you know, I think a great example is uh, at the end of Matthew chapter 8. Uh, Jesus has done a tremendous miracle. He actually heals a man of demons. The demons, a lot of people remember this, asked to go into this herd of pigs. Now let's put aside the issue of why there were pigs being raised in that area of Israel, but <laughs> but they are. All right. um, the, the pigs run off the cliff, and, and the townspeople are appalled because they realize their livelihood has literally gone over the cliff. They, they can have a fire cell on pork chops and bacon, but after that, <laughs> it's, it's going to be pretty tough. And mm-hmm. the very next verse, this is what amazing to me, in Matthew 9.1, and Bill, I think of this, I, mean, I would just ask the listeners, what would you pay for a ticket to see Jesus in action, incarnate, in the flesh, on a weekend? You could hear him. You could ask him questions. You could see him. I mean, I think most listeners would say, whatever I had, I would give for that weekend. Well, they had that, and yet they were so appalled at what happened with the pigs. It says they pleaded with Jesus to leave their region. I mean, they had to plead with him, please just go. They wow. had the Messiah. And, they, and the very next verse, Matthew 9, 1, it says Jesus got into a boat and returned to his own place. He, he didn't walk away. He sailed away. But it was the same principle where when, Jesus, when people just said, we don't want what you have, Jesus' response was, okay. And I, I think another example, if I could make several instances an Please. example, a, a lot of people sometimes will let themselves be abused and mistreated, and they think, well, Jesus was a martyr. Jesus went to the cross, and that's true. But what amazed me going through the Gospels was how many times Jesus walked away when people wanted to stone him, when they were planning on killing him. And it says Jesus avoided that region. Jesus was willing to lay down his life when he believed it was his Father's will and the time was right. But there were half a dozen occasions where Jesus said to the people, not today. You don't get to destroy me today. You don't get to distract me today. You don't even get to just persecute me and beat me up today. And so we have to look at Jesus's life in total where he was willing to lay down his life as we must be as well. But he didn't let anybody that want to hurt him hurt him. That was a revolutionary difference for me. I missed that sort of nuance when I would read the Bible before. Wow. So what about when Jesus was working alongside uh, Judas? Would you have thought Judas was a toxic person? Well, absolutely. I mean, he he sold them out when you think of all that Jesus (laughs) afforded to him. Yeah. uh, And because Jesus didn't do what he wanted him to do, which is the very definition of a toxic person, Judas had his own agenda for what he thought the Messiah was supposed to do. He ended up selling him out, trying to force Jesus to do what he wanted him to do. And I think, Bill, in our last conversation, we talked about how controlling is a big mark of toxicity. Yeah, I do want to talk about that some more too, Gary. I think that's so important. 
but what we see that Jesus did with Judas, some, some things that we can really take away when we're forced to confront him is, first, he, he spoke the truth to crazy. Toxic people will often make us feel like we're losing our minds. They're masters at gaslighting. Mm -hmm. Gaslighting means that if you're speaking the truth and somebody makes you think you're absolutely crazy for thinking what is obviously true, so you lose your sense of self-confidence. You think, I, I don't even have a grasp on reality. And so when Judas comes to betray Jesus with a kiss, <laughs> Jesus says, you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? <laughs> Just, I, I, I'm not going to pretend that you're a friend, that you're a compatriot. I know what you're doing. And so when we're dealing with toxic people, I, I think Bill, we have to hold on to the truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You, you can't understand crazy without making yourself go crazy. So mm -hmm. we don't have to play their games. We don't have to let ourselves be gaslit. But we also see that Jesus didn't let Judas's toxicity tempt him to act in a toxic manner either. Jesus actually washed Judas's feet before Judas left. And Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. The Bible says that he dismissed him. He knew full well what was going to happen. But till the end, he's relational. He's inviting Judas not to do what he did. But then he spoke the truth to him. It would be better for you never to have been born than to do what you're about to do. And, and so, uh, I look at Jesus and just his freedom in dealing with a toxic person. You can lie. You can obfuscate. You could say, I'm not really being toxic to you. Let's be friends. You said, no, you're not being a friend. And by the way, if you do this, this is not going to go well for you. But he didn't act toxic in return. And that's – it's why Jesus is Jesus, <laughs> Bill, because <laughs> I'm never more tempted to act in a toxic way than when I'm dealing with a toxic person. Mm -hmm. If they control me, I want to control them back. If they attack me, I want to attack them back. And Jesus was just a master at not being polluted by others' toxicity. Yeah, I love that about him. So uh, I'm thinking of these control mongers who have maybe been in your life your whole life, and now you're getting to a point where you have discernment to say, this has got to stop. Right. Um, and maybe uh, the toxic person is the one in the mirror. Then what? <laughs> Those are two very different questions. I know they are, but I'm just so, I'm loading them up for you, Gary. The first one. <laughs> Don't let me forget the second All one. All right, I'll, I'll get back to that one. Um, the whole key, I think, to our life comes from Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God. And I would even add 2 Corinthians 5.15. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So to become a Christian isn't just to be saved. It's to be enlisted in a work more important than my own work. Life isn't about my reputation, my enrichment, my social media following. It's about how God is building his kingdom and how I cooperate with that. So when somebody's trying to control me, they're trying to say, I don't want you to seek first God's kingdom. I want you to seek first my pleasure. I want you to do what I want you to do. And I may try to do that by pretending to be needy. You're the only one that can help me. If that doesn't work, I may pretend to be your friend. Look, you really need to do this. I suggest you do this. If that doesn't work, I may threaten you. If you don't do this, I'm going to tell others about you or you're going to pay the price. 
I've seen the same toxic person try to do all three weapons. Their intent is to control. That's not the way that God operates. The Old Testament, the famous passage, choose you this day whom you will serve. The, the free freedom of Jesus we see to let people walk away in the New Testament or Jesus' choice to walk away from them pretty much shows that God speaks the truth and then says to people, are you going to respond and lets them live with their response? So when somebody's trying to control me, the reason that's so toxic is that they're asking of me what God asks of me, my highest allegiance. And so it's a sin for me to let myself be controlled. I have a higher agenda. It's like I'm on assignment from the general and another private says, oh, by the way, can you do this? You got to say, no, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be a jerk, but the general has given me these orders. I have to do what the general has to say. That's the way we look at our life. Not because we're all that important, but because God's message is important. Mm. And not because we're all that gifted, but because the Holy Spirit within us is so powerful. And so we, we honor God when we say, okay, you've given me this life. I, I'm not bringing anything to the table, but whatever I do have, I give it to you. Mm. You know, Gary, not all writers are also good communicators on the radio, and you're like a double threat. You probably, oh, you, you probably even know how to right. install your own light fixture in your house. I mean, this, you intimidate me. You're so good. Let oh, me take no, a look. I, look, <laughs> I am, oh my, I am the worst handyman in the world. <laughs> my, my wife won't let me hang up a picture well, she's smart, because she's then. afraid I'll tear the good. wall down. Let me so. take a little break. Gary Thomas <laughs> is my guest. When to Walk Away is the name of his book. If you're in a toxic relationship and you have a question, let us know what it is. 877-933-2484. Be right back. the show. Gary Thomas is my guest. He's written a whole bunch of books. The one we're chatting about today is called When to Walk Away. If you've been in a toxic relationship or maybe you're in one now and you need to figure that out, uh, you've come to the right place today. Um, right before we went to break, Gary, you were doing such a nice job. I think maybe we either you, if you have a concluding thought about where you were at in your uh, thoughts or do we move on to what if the toxic person's in the mirror? Let's go with the toxic person uh, in the mirror. Okay. So maybe uh, someone's listening and going, oops, that might be me. Um, would they even have an awareness of it or would they still be oblivious to it? You know, I, I lived oblivious to how I was being toxic to myself for years. Okay. And, and one time where I was so convicted, I felt the Lord telling me I shouldn't say anything to myself <laughs> that I wouldn't say to someone else. Right. I mean, I would talk to myself and I would never say it to a friend, my wife, even somebody who had just really messed up and was repenting. And I realized that God loves me. God hates it when I'm treated in a toxic way, even if I'm the one being toxic to myself. Mm -hmm. And and so uh, it it was, one, not being toxic to myself because I believe it grieves the heart of God. But number two, 
toxicity is it, it's it it becomes habit forming and if you're t really toxic toward yourself you're probably going to bleed over mm. and be toxic to others That's we're to be news. people of of grace in fact the list that paul gives in colossians 3 that i think is so essential for healthy christian living that we are to be people of kindness compassion grace patience gentleness and love and I can practice that by showing kindness, compassion, grace, gentleness, and patience and love to myself. And then it becomes a pattern of showing that to others. And, and that's really the standard. And, and that's what I would encourage people to use to evaluate their self-talk. Are you patient with yourself? Are you using kindness? Are you using compassion and gentleness? And it just becomes a part of who you are. The virtues, I think they're like, spiritual bodybuilding mm -hmm. where you 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 lift weights to develop certain parts of your body well you lift virtues so to speak to develop certain parts of your soul uh and you know the, the only time it's more difficult for me to be kind compassion gentle and patience besides myself is when I'm driving. <laughs> when, I, when I'm in Houston traffic and I realize <laughs> the standard is to bring kindness, compassion, gentleness, patience, that's not easy. Mm -hmm. um, but, but that's the kind of people we're called to be. The toxic people that Paul warns us away from is anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, and lying. Mm. And so if I'm beating myself up, if I'm angry at myself, it, it's all, Bill, what it all does is it removes me from living in grace. Jesus is my hero. And, and I think that's what made me act toxic to myself. It, it, it sounds humble to, to knock yourself down, but it's the height of pride in that I was making myself the hero. So if I messed up, I would think, how could I? Uh, you know, I've let myself down. I'm so disappointed in myself. If Jesus is my hero— even messing up makes me think, thank you, Lord, that I have a Savior. Yeah, boy, How that's such... kind of you, God, to give me an advocate. And now my heart is filled with gratitude and love instead of self-obsessed hatred and loathing. Mm. That's so wise. It's interesting, Gary, that you make it a point of pride, because it sounds like you've got a little bit of perfectionism in you. Is that fair? Oh, I'm, I'm over the top. Yeah. I'm a one on the Enneagram. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. And yeah, absolutely. That, you know, a couple of decades ago, I think I had a therapist tell me that he said, if you treated others the way you treat yourself, you wouldn't have any friends. Well, I fired him. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh, but yeah, I mean, I, I get it. I, I, I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it's... Uh, it, there is that that period. Is it is it pride that I was suffering with that I wanted to just do everything with excellence and I was hypercritical of myself and I can't cut myself grace because I didn't like the way I did it and I should have done it better and uh, it gets to be a kind of a circular self fulfilling lunacy, doesn't it? Oh, it, and it's it's just awful. I had um, some real help with it just even in the past year. We have had four life events that were just so challenging for us. Um, and I just wanted to respond in a healthy way, given what I do. And I started going back into counseling. Um, and I'm dealing with a counselor who helped me see sort of my codependent tendencies. And 
And he said, Gary, you've told me three times you're not much of an athlete. I don't remember where that came. He goes, but you qualified for the Boston Marathon three times. Is it, do you have to win the race to be an athlete? And I, right. and, and that's kind of what I was thinking, you know, well, yeah, I qualified, but I, I found out he's run a bunch of marathons and his time wasn't, I mean, so I was unintentionally insulting him, um, by saying that. And so, uh, yeah, I think it's, sometimes it's just helpful when a brother, sister in Christ can point out, you know, <laughs> the way you talk about yourself, the way you discount what you're doing. Um, it, it's all about, am I the hero of my life or is Jesus the hero of my life? And if I'm the hero of my life, it's, it's a serious thing when I mess up. If I'm, if Jesus is the hero of my life, even when I mess up, um, I, I'm just filled with, with gratitude. Now that doesn't make it more likely for me to mess up. It makes it less likely because I, I don't know. It's just, Living in grace, being accepted and affirmed by God, uh, it's it's a more compelling call to obedience. Mm-hmm. Every time someone tells me they run a marathon, I always say, oh, did you win? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, <can't>. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's such an amazing human achievement to run 26 miles and to still be standing. Um, yeah. Well, it but it's always so the barefoot guy that wins. Yeah. Uh, well, there there was somebody that um, said, oh, I think you ba- beat my husband because— um, I, I had the time and they said he was only like like 405th or something. I said, you mean he placed 405th? And this is at Boston. He goes, yeah. I go, there was a sea of humanity. There was a city between me and your husband. I mean, she th- I mean, if he placed in the top 500, you're a really fast person. And I was just laughing how they – thought that but yeah all right a couple lightning round questions here from listeners before we go to break which we have to do in about a minute and a half here uh, so you can answer these quickly uh, for every toxic person in my life how many healthy folks do I need for sanity oh I, I think half a dozen here's what I do Bill I try to intentionally have at least one redemptive conversation every day I have a cycle of about seven or eight good buddies where uh, we're going to have good conversations. We're going to talk about healthy things. I can ask them their opinion about things. So I don't burn them out, but I'm, I'm regularly going through that list just to connect. I think relationships are more crucial now than I've ever believed they were. And I'm experiencing so much more joy and life because of it. Mm-hmm. Is it possible to acquire virtues that you don't think you naturally have? Yes, we, we, we should. Um, virtues are practiced. They're learned. I'll never become humble, but I can practice humility. I okay. practice humility by knowing what it is and intentionally putting others' needs above my own. I can practice gentleness, and as I practice gentleness, I become more gentle. The same thing with patience. Yeah. I really think the best way to look at virtues is like spiritual weights. Okay, I'm going to have to jump to the break. Gary Thomas is my guest. When to walk away, finding freedom from toxic relationships is going to be the topic of the rest of our hour. Uh, Let me know if you have a question, 877-933-2484. I got all kinds of questions for Gary when we return. Again, 877-933-2484. Be right back.
Gary Thomas is my guest. I'm sure enjoying this discussion. I know you listeners are too. I got questions coming in, and if you are uh, need some counsel on a toxic relationship, uh, he's written a book about it called When to Walk Away. And here's a one that just came in, Gary. This might uh, get us pointed in the right direction. Um, what if you're? What if it's your spouse who is toxic? How do you handle that? <laughs> that that's the problem, Bill. Because I mean, I, I took several chapters in the book to set it up. It's not an easy answer, of course. As it, it's painful for me, as I've spent most of my adult life trying to help marriages grow, and even realizing and believing that God can use difficult marriages. But there's a difference between a difficult marriage and an abusive marriage. Okay. When a marriage is destroying someone, when there's consistent unfaithfulness, when there's abusive behavior, and you see a soul just being uh, sucked out of that person, uh, I think we have to remember that Jesus said what he said about divorce to protect women, not to imprison them. In the first century, a woman didn't have the legal right to divorce her husband. And when a man could divorce his wife for almost any reason, she had two options, destitution or prostitution, neither of which obviously are are very – and so Jesus is saying you can't do that to your wives. Well, we've kind of removed it out of that and are telling some women in a situation where – they're in a place that is destroying their souls. It, it was one of the most chilling moments for me as a pastor was when I was in a situation where I realized this guy didn't want to have the marriage repaired so that they could be healthy and enjoy each other and encourage each other, worship together and affirm each other. He was afraid of losing his platform to abuse and terrorize this woman because he got a really sick satisfaction out of controlling her and destroying her. And for the church to cooperate with that, I think is, is to, is, is to be like Christians who would say, okay, you stole, we're literally going to chop your arm off um, because we can find that in the Bible. Well, we wouldn't go there with that, but I, I think we're, we're risking doing some of that in marriage. So I know you deal with this in the book, but how do you leave the toxicity instead of the marriage? Well, there's a a great chapter I loved with um, two people who they both realized that they were being toxic, the husband and the wife. Um, And the husband was frustrated that the wife would never apologize. She could never say she was wrong. Um, but the wife never wanted to give in because she thought like the husband was being too critical. And so they were just going back and forth and until they realized, look, we're making each other miserable. We're both acting in a toxic way. And we tell the story about how they came out of that and began to realize we can have a new marriage with the same partner just because there's been toxicity. Um, in this case, when it's repented of and confessed, God is a God of healing. God is a God of power, and he put them back together. Now, here's one thing I would challenge husbands with, though. In this true life story, the husband had to change for an entire year before his wife believed he was different. When you have patterns of unhealthiness in your marriage, somebody has to say, I'm going to act like a believer. I'm going to get all of my affirmation from God. My spouse is suspicious of me. They're not going to give it to me. But, but I loved what he said. He goes, I just felt God's pleasure when I treated her 
in a non-toxic way. After a year, God convicted his wife. It was actually 11 months, but we could call it a year. She said, look, he said, look, look what your husband is doing. And she realized, you know what? You're, you're right. And she came around and they've had the sweetest decade of marriage since then. A little less than that, but, um, it, 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 and so there is hope. If somebody's saying, oh, no, I, I, I'm acting like a toxic person, if, if there is humility and repentance, there is hope. God is able and powerful to heal. The problem is when somebody's married to a truly toxic person that enjoys being toxic, that comes alive when they're being toxic. Interesting. Now, that, that could light yeah. up their scoreboard, couldn't it? Yeah, well, it it does, and it's it's really what we have to discern. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, look, I, I listed anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, and lying. Every sensitive person should go <gasps> a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Especially if they drive, and 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 so. But when I'm convicted of that, I'm like, Lord, I don't want to be that way. I'm like a person who's had the flu, and, and it's gone, and I can't wait to take that first shower. But for a toxic person. A healthy marriage is boring. A healthy church is boring. A healthy office environment where everybody's just working, encouraging, it's boring. They want to inject the intrigue and the put people against each other and to be in control and to play people off mm. of each other. That's just an evil bent that we need to walk away from. That is toxic right there. That's a good, descript- a good descriptor. All right. Here's an intriguing chapter in your book. I want to say it's like number... Let's see. Twelve. Learning how to be hated. What does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If we are willing to walk away from toxic people, we have to realize that they love hate and they will hate us. And we have to be okay with that. Uh, Our goal and and this one of the things that changed my life, it was a chapter on Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah ends with this. Remember me with favor, my God. Not all of the toxic opponents, not even the other people. Nehemiah wanted the book to end with this. Lord, you've seen what I've done. You've seen my actions. Remember me with favor, my God. And just to realize when I look through history, when I look through Scripture, how hated God's people have been. Now, I, I, Bill, I don't want to be hated because I'm acting hatefully. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, 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 I don't get any spiritual credit when somebody hates me for when I'm being a jerk. But when I'm doing what God has called me to do, I have to give up sometimes even my own reputation. People will lie about me for their own ends. They may misconstrue what I've said, um, or I may have said something that should have been corrected, but they corrected it in a, in a hurtful way. But becoming less focused on what others think and more focused on what God thinks. And since you already confess your codependent tendencies, this is really the, the, the doorway we have to walk through to get out of codependency. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's basically, you're going to think about me what you're going to think about me. What I'm concerned about is what does my heavenly father think about me? Mm. Um, and, and, and so I'm, um, We've just got to. It was hard for me to realize that, but Jesus promises us that if the world hated him, they'll hate us. And if I'm allowing, if I refuse to be hated by the world, I'm eventually going to have to compromise my message. I'm going to have to apologize for the things that God has said in his word and for who he is and what Jesus did. And I just had to come to a point in my life. I hope every 
believer comes to a point in their life when they say, I would rather be hated with Jesus than apologize for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Gary, uh, let me ask you about the walk away part. Um, because what if the toxic person is a sibling and you don't really forever just walk away from them, do you? No. Well, there, there was a pastor who did a a sermon series on when to walk away when it first came out. And he had a great line in his first sermon that I loved. He said, walking away isn't writing off. Uh, In his case, it wasn't a sibling. It was his dad. But he said, you're always opening the door. If somebody's repentant, you're willing to re-engage in the relationship like the father with the prodigal son. He grabbed his son's knees when the son returned. He didn't grab his son's knees when the son was was leaving. And so I think with a sibling, Bill, there may be times when if it is destroying your joy, it's taking you away from your marriage and parenting or your other relationships. They're haunting you at night so you're not sleeping and your self-confidence is gone. I, I believe even though they are your direct blood siblings, it may be time to walk away and, and not to have contact with them until you can figure out a healthy way to do it. Jesus made this explicitly clear several teachings where he says, whoever loves their mother, brother, wife, children uh, is not worth more than me, is not worthy of me. And so if a sibling is controlling you or getting in the way of you doing what God has called you to do and being the person God has called you to be, yes, even if it's a sibling, I think you need to be willing to walk away. Hmm. Another listener said, uh, do we attract toxicity or create it in other people? Well, again, those are two very different questions. I think think codependents set themselves up as easy targets for toxic people. Um, and, And that's why I think we have to walk away from toxic people is that I I don't want them to start thinking that their toxicity works. I mean, it does in a lot of cases, but I don't want them to think that I'm one that's confirming that. And so if I'm overly worried about what other people think of me, I'm going to be prone to toxic behavior. For instance, if I have to please everybody and somebody realizes that and they're a toxic person, I can control them because I could just say, look, I I really need you right now. I'm really down. I really need this or that. You got to do this for me. The codependency, oh, absolutely. Even though, wait a minute, I, I'm going to get home late. My kids are going to suffer. My, my spouse is going to suffer. I'm not going to get my exercise in or whatnot. Um, or the threat, well, I don't want them to, to do this to me, so I'm going to do it. So I believe our weakness does attract toxicity, and that's one of the reasons we need to walk away. Um, as far as creating it, That's where I just like those lists in Colossians. The reason the book of Colossians is so dear to my heart is it was such a brand new church. I mean, they had only been Christians for a couple years. And so Paul is very basic saying, this is what a Christian is and isn't. And so Paul lays out the groundwork. Are you acting with compassion, kindness, gentleness, patience, and love? Are you acting out of anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, and lying? And so uh, you know, I, I've mentioned for me, I, I'm trying to apply that. And, and when I'm driving, okay, the standard, am I driving with compassion, kindness, gentleness, patience, and love? That's what I'm to be on the road. That's what it means to be God's representative. Now, I'm so far from that. But but that's where I'm being convicted of 
at the moment. And so I don't want to generate more toxic behavior because, you know, when we drive like jerks, then you get somebody else angry and then they act like a jerk. Well, maybe as God's <laughs> people, we're to bring peace to the highways of the world. Who mm-hmm. knows? All right. I'm thinking, uh, Gary, still about this uh, maybe toxic relationship with a sibling. And how do I balance it with the passage in Matthew that says, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. So how do you say I've walked away from a toxic person. Now I know that I need to first be reconciled to my brother before I come offer the gift. And all of a sudden, how do I do this? And that's great. Yeah. Uh, There's the passage from Romans that says, as far as it is possible with you, live at peace with everyone. So I put those together. If I have sinned against someone, then that passage in the gospel applies where I have to go to them and apologize and make Mm, it right. Good distinction. But But that doesn't give them the right to control me or belittle me or continue to abuse me. Uh, I'm asking for forgiveness. Now, whether they give it or not, I've done what I've been told to do by God to ask for their forgiveness. But if if they're trying to use that to manipulate me or to get something further down the road, now it's becoming a toxic situation. So I have to do what I have to do to own up to my weakness. But then when I realize someone keeps bringing it up, um, I, I think we're we're fine to walk away. I've had a person in my life, I'm just really sad over decades that I literally have not seen in a couple decades that every few years will threaten to sue me, will demand this or that, is demanding a large payment of money. And I don't even know what for recently. And earlier in my life, I'd said we had a mutual pastor. I said, let's meet with the pastor. Um, We'll do this. We'll do that. Didn't want it. He didn't want to do that because he didn't want to resolve it, Bill. He just, okay. he, he, for him, the relationship was just going to be maintained by continual fighting, and I'm not into that. And I feel like I've done what I've could. I've said, look, let's let's go to a pastor. We'll try to resolve this, but I'm not going to. I know it doesn't do any good because I've tried to where I can just ignore that and say, well, if you're going to sue me for whatever reason, you could sue me. Go ahead, but short of that, I feel like it's wisest to walk away and. I bring it up to a pastor or a friend when it comes up, and they say, yeah, I still think you just need to walk away. Mm-hmm. All right, Gary, let me take one more break. Gary Thomas is my guest. And his book is called When to Walk Away, Finding Freedom from Toxic People. I just want to give you a heads up. Tomorrow, during this hour, we're going to have a fantastic time with Carmen LeBurge and Susie Larson. We've got a very special hour planned. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Gary Thomas is my guest. His book, one of many that he's written, is called When to Walk Away, Finding Freedom from Toxic People. So, um, Gary, let's talk about um, how do we trade toxic for tender? <sighs> the, the way we begin to trade toxic for tender is that one, we recognize that we live in grace. I, I, I think when... 
what I found wonderful, I, I've never been part of a 12-step group. I've talked with so many that have. And the life-changing realization that they recognize is that when you finally, honestly understand the grace that you've received, you're able to give that grace to others. And, and so I do this thing. I've talked even in my marriage seminars that I think is helpful, preaching the gospel to yourself. We think of the gospel being for unbelievers. The gospel is the story of Jesus, all that God has done on our behalf, making a way to salvation, eternal life, spiritual health through what Jesus did, not through what we've done. When I remind myself what I deserve, which is hell, not just when I die, technically I deserve hell right now, which means every moment I don't live in hell is a gift of God's kindness and mercy and grace. And when I remember that every day, okay, this is what I deserve, but I haven't received it. This is what Jesus paid for me to get that. I come out of that devotional time with a tender heart toward others. I just am giving what I've already received. If I forget the gospel, then people annoy me. People frustrate me. I think, how could they do that? If I've been reminded this morning of what I do, I don't ask how could somebody could do that. I'm like, yeah, yeah okay, they're like me. So I need to give them the same grace that God has given me. Thank you for that answer. So I would imagine many Christians, if they walk away from someone that they deem toxic, they're going to walk away feeling like they've been a little bit of a failure. Well, I did for so long, and that's what was so freeing for me, Bill, going through the Gospels, coming across the 41 citations where Jesus chose to walk away from someone or let somebody walk away from him, and they're all in the appendix of the book. Some of those refer to the same instances. They're not all referring to toxic people. But when I saw the example of Jesus and then Jesus's explicit words in Matthew 7, 6, to not give what is holy to dogs or throw your pearls before swine or else they'll turn and tear you to pieces, Jesus's example and his words urge me and compel me to walk away towards something better. And, and this is what I think helps with the guilt. I'm not walking away to binge watch Netflix. I'm not walking away because I don't want to be bothered. As a Christian, I live to be bothered. I'm walking away to find the reliable people that Paul talks about in 2 Timothy 2.2, to find the disciples that Jesus urges us to make in Matthew 28 in the Great Commission. I want to walk toward healthy relationships, toward productive ministry, toward life-giving encounters. And I don't feel guilty when I'm using my time well and productively. And so I think those that feel guilty, I would just say, have a higher view of how God can use you, the power of his spirit within you, the importance of the message of reconciliation that God has given you. And that at least has helped me mostly leave the guilt behind. You know, Gary, when we talk about toxic and finding freedom from toxic people, when I look at some of the places in scripture where Jesus says in Matthew 10, if anyone will, if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Never really has occurred to me that maybe the people that, that the disciples were encountering were toxic. I mean, uh, the, the evangelistic side of me would say, well, hang in there, keep preaching. Yeah. Yeah. 
Don't well, walk away. And I used to think I, I'd have this false messianic complex. That, well, <laughs> I'm going to be both, so huh? anointed, <laughs> so hear from God, so powerfully moving that. But the reality is, and and I put that passage with Jesus's plea to his disciples to pray for more workers, where Jesus is saying there aren't enough of us who are seeking first the kingdom of God. Ask for God to join more. The corollary from that, Bill, is this. Those of us who are doing that need to count for every hour because the time is short. And that's why he says if you're going into that village and they're just not willing to receive it, then go find somebody who will listen, who does want to walk in obedience, who will be reliable. Jesus does give us a strategy to make the most of our lives. Um, and I just, I just got to believe that he knows what he's doing when he's given us that strategy and we'll live the most fulfilling life when we're true to that strategy. Mm-hmm. Gary, if somebody says to you, well, we'll just have to agree to disagree. Have you agreed or disagreed? <laughs> uh, well, I guess we've agreed on the end <laughs> that we agreed that, you know, there isn't any more of this. And, and I think that's a very healthy thing. And you know what? That's the mark of a healthy break in one sense. Healthy people can say we agree to disagree. Toxic people can't. Toxic people are going to say, no, uh, you will agree with me or I'm going to do this. If you, they, they can't let it go. And so when I'm dealing with somebody and I have that situation, I'm thinking, well, he and I or she and I may have huge disagreements, but they're not being toxic. They're, they're just that's what healthy people have to do. So I think that's actually a, a healthy place to come to at times. Mm-hmm. And how do you do a diagnostic with somebody who's toxic? I mean, I know we don't have a lot of time left, but you can't really bring up the thought or the idea that, you know, Gary, you and I have been friends for a while and I've just read a book and I think you're toxic. <laughs> well, yeah. And look, I, I talk about in the book the difference between labeling and name calling. I should never call somebody a name to hurt, to demean, to belittle, to, to abuse them. But labeling is helpful for me internally to know, is this a relationship that's going to be productive or is it not going to go anywhere? So in the back of my mind, I'm running through those things. They have a murderous spirit. Are they controlling? Do they love to hate? Am I seeing them come alive with anger, rage, malice, mm. slander, mm. filthy? And if, if all of those are things are there, that's what I'm, well, I may not tell them I think they're toxic, but I'm going to tell myself to walk away. Mm -hmm. So here might be a surprise takeaway for listeners. Jesus was quite good at walking away, wasn't he? He was. (laughs) It's so amazing. And again, I'm embarrassed how many years I read the Bible and just didn't see it. Uh, But he did because he believed he was on a mission from his heavenly father. He was zealous to complete that mission. Uh, And look, he had the most successful, triumphant life of anyone who's ever lived. Mm -hmm. You know, I bet there's plenty of people listening that have heard what you've said and thought, hmm, I think he's talking about me. I think there's a toxic relationship I'm in, or maybe I'm the person who is toxic. And I wonder if you wouldn't just... uh, Maybe close out our time in a word of prayer for the people who might be in that place right now, Gary. All right. Lord, I thank you for those whose consciences are a little unsettled because I know they're sensitive people who love you, and I'm so grateful for them that they have those caring hearts. I pray, Lord, that your truth would find a home, that they would be empowered with the vision that you've given them, that they can make the most of every day, uh, that you would 
expose the false guilt, that they could see the example of your son, that they could hear the words of your son, and Lord, that they could live newly victorious, productive, and fruitful lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Gary, thank you so much. You are an absolute delight. I just uh, loved having you on the show, and I would love to have you back. I'd be honored to. Thank you so much. Good deal. Yep, Gary Tom. Thank you so much. Gary Thomas has been my guest. His book is When to Walk Away, Finding Freedom from Toxic People. All right, we're going to take a little break. When we come back, I'm going to have a full hour with my friend and Bible mentor, Jeff Verdorn. I never thought that he considered me a threat, but he did bring a personal bodyguard today. So I'll have to learn more about that when we come back at the top of the hour. And also uh, in this hour tomorrow, just going to be a special hour. I'm going to let you know it's going to be Carmen LaBerge and Susie Larson and myself. We've got some fun things to talk about. That's all coming up next um, on Afternoons with me. I will take a short break and be back with Jeff Verdorn. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.